This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Boat Trader, America's largest boating marketplace, offering easy financing and over 100,000 boat listings to choose from. Sell, find, and finance new or used boats on America's largest boating marketplace. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Journey Within podcast. Doing this one on location down in Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Actually sitting in the game room of Salt River Outfitters um, with Aaron Blicey. We're down here filming uh, deer hunt. It's early muzzleloader season in October. We came uh, darn close last night. Darn close this Even morning. Even closer this morning. Even closer this morning. So tonight is the night because it's the last last night of the early muzzleloader season, which is two days. But really the reason we're down here and on the podcast here is we're going to talk with George Cummins. Um, George, you had a heck of a day in the field earlier this year, and that's that's what we want to focus on, the history with those deer, just everything that led up to it and the whole situation. Absolutely. It was uh, October the 2nd. We were talking about it earlier. Uh, we'd been watching the, the bigger of the two deer that I shot for going on, I think it was the third year. And we've struggled trying to get these deer in daylight because they weren't bedding on this farm. They were okay. bedding on the neighbor's farm. So we. I'm gonna hold it. I'm gonna hold you up because I didn't lead into it correctly. So George shot two great deer. One really, really, really great yeah. deer, and another great deer on the same night within a matter of minutes earlier this year in Kentucky. And how you can do that in Kentucky is because Kentucky is a one buck state, but they the the state does have um, ten commissioners tags which then allows you to hunt a second deer. And George had one of those this year. And um, ironically, so do I. I have a second second tag this year. Yeah. Hopefully I get to use it. Explain well. that a little bit, though, because you were kind of explaining that to me, how the state of Kentucky, uh, what do they gift them to nonprofits? Yeah, Is that so, how it works? So a lot of people are familiar with the, the states out west that do governor's tags. Mm-hmm. So like uh, Montana, they do a, a bighorn tag, and that's probably the one of the ones that gets the most attention because it's the Missouri Breaks tag. So I think it's gone for – a max of, I mean, it's gotten up there close yeah. to a half million dollars, 450,000. Right. So those are the ones that obviously get a lot of attention, but even like Kansas does a, a governor's tag for, for deer. And in Kentucky, what they do here is they have 10, what they call commissioner's tag, which is the same thing as a, as a governor's tag, but they have 10. And what they do is they donate them to nonprofits and then the nonprofits auction them off. And they, they focus mainly on um, nonprofits in the state of Kentucky. So it's a cool way to, to that the state works with nonprofits to raise money um, for the nonprofits. Yeah, so that's that, really cool. Yep. So I've 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 done that a few times. We've had uh, we've had you know, quite a few people that have gone through Salt River. Usually after mm-hmm. they come through one time, they're like, man, and then they come yep. they come back again and get a commissioner's tag mm-hmm. yep. to yep. do it. It's a it's it's I I I think it's a great program that the state does. Three of the ten tags are hunting with us this year. Three of the ten. Yeah, so really? Yeah, thirty percent. Okay. Yeah. So, so uh, and obviously non-residents can get it because you've yep. got it. So anybody yep. can get it. Anybody <laughs> can get it, and it just and what it does is it allows you to shoot a second deer in the state of Kentucky. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people look at that and go, it doesn't interest me. But when you're like a lot of the clients that come here in Salt River, they they love it so much and. They may shoot it like a lot of the guys. They come on velvet, so there's mm-hmm. a good chance that they shoot the first or second day of the season. Right. And, but that velvet hunt's so different than an early muzzleloader season, a ru- archery, a rifle. Even like I love the late muzzleloader hunt here too. But what that second tag just allows them to come a second time, basically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So just extends their hunting season. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And before yep. you get into these deer, can we go back to when you initially discovered them? How many years ago? 
like you know when you figured out that these deer were here and they're like we're ballooning into something like when did that start and how did the history start going with these deer okay. so i've hunted this farm it was one of the farms that i've been hunting since i was 12 years old okay you know and how old are you now <laughs> old enough <laughs> old, old enough, enough. 40, 43 43 <laughs> So, you know, I started hunting these farms. I killed many of my first deer, whether it was the first deer with a muzzleloader, first deer with a bow, whatever, on these farms. My dad, you know, he killed his last deer before he passed away on the farms. My mom, you know, my my nieces, my sister, like everybody. Just We've hunted these farms forever, and I've got to watch the deer over the years and see how the quality of the deer has gotten better as, you know, QDM has gotten better right. in this area. You know, not just us, but it's – the neighbors, you know, that's what it takes to have a good deer. Mm-hmm. You got to have good neighbors. And fortunately, this particular farm has got great neighbors. You know, they don't shoot anything small. They may go three or four years without killing a buck. And that allows all these deer to get, you know, that mature age that yep. I don't care how good the genetics are and how good the nutrition is, they still have to have age. Yep, yep. So on this farm, you know, we're killing deer that are five and a half, six and a half years old. And so this one particular deer, the bigger deer I shot, the the and he, ironically he was the first deer that come out. They usually don't work that way. Yeah. <laughs> but the the bigger deer, we've been trying to kill that particular deer for three years. Okay. And, and last year, you know, on this podcast you're not gonna be able to see it, but on his, I think it was his right side this year, he had a split G two. Last year both G twos were split. So he lost the split, but then he drew he grew all kinds of trash, and that comes with age. You know that yeah. trash usually comes with age. So, so all th- all that trash that he had off the back, did he have any of that last year that no, you could tell in the pictures? Didn't not have that any you could of tell. that. Uh, if he did, they were little bumps that didn't score. This okay. year they all scored. Yeah. So, and you were said what twenty five scorable? Twenty five scorable points. Yeah. Jeez. So I mean, and it's I think I can't remember how many of it is non typical points off the bases, but well, I guess he, he's a ten point. Mm-hmm. He's a nine with a split G two, which makes him ten. So that makes fifteen extra you know trash points or whatever you want to call it right so that's but, crazy so like when you when this deer showed up for the first time how many ever years ago did you think he was something special then i mean could you just really. see it was like oh man this deer not really i mean this in in this farm you've got to understand has always got booners on it like every year multiple booners on this farm typically it'll have one deer that's going to push 200 inches mm-hmm we're still waiting on a deer to show up that was running with the deer that I shot last year that was way bigger than him. Really? We watched him all the way up until he shed. We never found his sheds, but he, he, he made it through the season, and that deer still hasn't showed up this year. If he shows up, he's going to be way over 200. Mm-hmm. Like, big, big typical. Huge typical. Jeez. Uh, he did have some trash, but, I mean, just a mainframe typical. Yep. Just huge. Uh, he had split uh, brows, actually. And where, so, the, where are the farms at? Is it... Is it common that deer will show up in October or November, like as crops start going down, do deer move in, or are they usually there the whole time? They're they're usually on this farm the whole time. I mean, this farm's surrounded by a river. Uh, they do cross the river. It's not a very deep river, so they do they come and go. But it's not a lot of bedding area on it. We've actually got the food. Okay, and that's that's reason why we try to kill them as quick as we can in September because then October on, they kind of go to the acorns, which is on all the neighbors, yeah. mm-hmm. and it makes it harder to kill them. But we did a lot of stuff different this year with food plots, um, supplemental feeding, and we actually were able to hold the deer longer than normal Okay. because there were no crops on the farm this year. So typically it's beans. Uh-huh. The beans yellow up in September, and the deer are gone. Yep. They're, they're gone until usually the end of October when the beans are really brown and they start hitting them again. Yep. So there was no beans this year, so we went in. Uh, we planted some corn to try to increase the bedding in that bottom, trying to make them bed on us instead uh-huh. of on the neighbor. And then we actually went around the corn and put out uh, strips of turnips, radishes, stuff like that. Okay. And, I mean, it, it made all the difference in the world. Just made it a big smorgasbord. <laughs> yeah, it made it to where they, where they had more food. They had food yeah. in October they hadn't had in October. Uh-huh. I know the beans were there in October, but they just don't like them when they're yellow. Yeah. So, so that's obviously something you've got to look ahead at, like when it's planting season. Like, mm-hmm. okay, these aren't going to be yellow, yeah. or, or yeah. they're not going to be green. I mean, they're not going to be palatable. So then you're going to go in, and, and do you do you rotate every year different mixes, different food plot stuff, or is it mainly? Well, well, this particular farm, typically the farmers actually grow crops on it, so we can't do anything. Oh, okay. This year they were they were in some transitioning with other farms and stuff, so they just decided they weren't going to do the crops, and they told me I could do whatever I wanted with it this year. So I was like, hell yeah. You know that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, don't turn me loose on a farm and let yeah. me do whatever you want with it. But uh, So I went in and kind of set it up how I wanted to, and – it, it it worked. I mean, it, it this was the first year that we were able to get that deer in daylight in October and you know kill him. So was it not an option to do it in September though? 
He, we, I mean, we was trying to kill him in September. We just couldn't connect with him. We had yeah. horrible winds most of the time, and you know, it was a uh, just. We had a lot of storms, you uh-huh. know. And, and this river, <laughs> if it storms, it comes up, and they don't come across it. So gotcha. we've learned over the years that if that river comes up, you're wasting your time trying to hunt them. Really. So we just had some weird, just weird winds, weird storms, and stuff happened early September, and then I, I'm a firm believer that if you're just going to hunt to hunt a particular big deer you're screwing up you go in to kill him you don't go in to hunt him mm-hmm. and we be. watched cameras we watched cameras we watched cameras and it just wasn't right and then all of a sudden it was right you know yeah. the first of october it was right so we uh checked the camera the last time and he was there we're gonna take one quick pause here Hey everybody, it's October and a lot of people aren't thinking about tags, but there is one more important one at the end of the month, October 31st, the state of Wyoming has their point only. So this is one if you're planning ahead and you're thinking about going to Wyoming, this is a good one to go out and get that point. Make sure to visit the WTA website or give the team of consultants in the office a call. All right, just hop right back into it. Yep. Okay, so around the 1st of October you know, the time was getting right. We was watching the cameras and he started getting more and more regular in daylight. And, uh, I actually had to leave to go to Arkansas to meet with Walmart. And I checked that camera and I was like, man, this is like, I got one day to do this. The wind wasn't perfect for the stand I had set up. So me and my wife actually went in and we moved the stand 40 yards just to get it to where my scent would blow straight down the river. So mm-hmm. for that deer to, to win me, he had to swim across the deep part of the river. You know, I was down below his crossing. I, I was like, this is perfect. Uh, so we hung the stand at 2 o'clock, and I got back in the stand at 4 o'clock. Okay, while we got mixed up here, you do, you were talking about you go in to kill the deer. You don't go yes. to hunt them. So let's yes. get into that a little bit, too, okay, because okay. I firmly believe the yeah. same thing. Yeah. you got to be methodical with it. Mm-hmm. So get into that a little bit. Okay, so too many hunters get anxious, and it's easy to do. If you've got a big deer on camera, it's it's just easy to say, I, yep. I, I want to go hunt because mm-hmm. there's always that first day when they come in in daylight. So a lot of hunters think, I have to be there that first day. Yep. But what they don't understand is if you do not have a good entry and a good exit route in and out of that stand, okay, you may not see that deer out of that stand, but when you're walking out, there's a good chance you're going to bump him. Mm-hmm. And I'm a firm believer in you don't hunt a deer, you kill a deer. So I waited until the time was right. And that's when we say wait till the time's right, the wind was, you know, we made the wind right. The, we were getting daylight pictures of him. It was a good cool night after it had been in the, the I think, low 80s for four or five days. Uh-huh. So I just had a feeling it was going to happen that night. And so that's why we hung the stand and, and I decided to climb in it. Just because I thought at the timing was right. I thought I was going in to kill him, uh-huh. not just to go in and hope to see the deer. You yep, know? yep. So and, was was this deer on a specific wind? You know, was he coming in on a specific wind, any sort of pattern like that? Because, you know, early October like that, you can usually have a pattern on him still. He was coming in pretty much every night. It was either just before dark or just after dark. Okay. So, I mean, it, the wind really didn't matter. He was still coming in. Yeah. Because we had all the food. You know, the, at that point, the acorns hadn't started dropping yet, so – we had everything in our favor, uh-huh. you know, that, that, the, the turnips and the radishes, I think mustard greens, we even put some of that out. A lot of people don't think about that, but the deer love those too. <laughs> wait, so, wait, 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 wait. Yeah, what is well, a mustard what green? What is a mustard green? <laughs> I'm thinking the same yeah, thing. I'm like, wait a second, we're northern, <laughs> we're northern guys here. What's a mustard I, it's green? It's just, a, it's, it's in that family of brassicas. It's just, you know, it's, it's all that big leafy green, you know, high tonnage okay. stuff that I try to put as many varieties of that out there as possible because they'll all mature at a different time. Yep smorgasbord yep exactly just give it i don't like i don't like hungry deer because the neighbors kill hungry deer mm-hmm. so i don't like my deer to be hungry <laughs> yep. so but yeah uh the the green stuff started working for us and the the cooler temperatures at night got him feeling a little more comfortable i guess moving in the daylight mm-hmm. so when i checked that camera lot last time we had a few daylight pictures of him and there was another 10 there um that we didn't have any daylight pictures of but mm-hmm. he was there every night just like the big deer but he was half hour after shooting light you know didn't really expect to see that deer i was really going in to kill the big deer yep and like we mentioned earlier i do have a you know i had a commissioner's tag uh still didn't think that it would go you know work like it did but i I climbed up the tree uh hadn't been in the tree for an hour multiple does started coming out of the corn actually that we planted for the bedding and i was hoping i was like man if that buck is actually in there this is going to work perfect because i'm going to get to see him coming for 200 yards Uh Mm -hmm. and uh a lot of does come and go and it's getting getting a little later and i hear a deer walking across the river 
and I'm like, you know, my heart starts pumping because typically oh, yeah. when you hear that sound, you know, you're thinking, your, your mind starts just going crazy. Oh, it's him, it's him. You know, it's the monster. And first deer come across the river was just another doe. And then another deer I heard walking across the river. And I turned and looked literally 20 yards beside me, and I saw a main beam. And I was like, oh, shit, that's him. Uh-huh. And, you know, it stepped out. It was just 120-inch eight, you know. But my heart was still pumping because <laughs> oh, yeah. I heard him coming. Oh, and yeah. you just see that main beam turn through yeah. the, the leaves. And, and I watch him feed forever. And uh, then then I hear what ended up being the big deer. I hear him walking across. And it just sounded different. Yep. It could have just all been in my mind, but it sounded different to me. And I'm sitting there, and there had some does was in the bait pile. Um, they had come out of the corn and they picked their head up and looked straight down behind me. I still didn't know it was the big deer, but I heard him come across the river, heard the rocks flipping, and I could tell he was in the field, and I was watching the does posture, the way they were acting. They got super nervous, mm-hmm. and I was like, okay, game, so, it's game yeah, on. You know, I, said, yep. I said, that ain't another doe, and that ain't mm-hmm. another little buck. And so I went ahead and actually grabbed my bow, and he stepped out. at When he first stepped out, he had to been 10 yards from me. And my heart just, I mean, just, just looking down on that rack. It's like, holy <laughs> shit. So I couldn't shoot him where he was at. He walked right beside me. And when me and my wife had hung that stand, I was very, very careful to only trim the opening, you mm-hmm. know, because yep. I knew there's a good chance of having multiple deer around when I was trying to draw my bow. Mm-hmm. So when he stepped into that opening, it worked perfect. He put his head down. His head was behind the tree. I mean, I, I drew, I settled in and, and smoked him. He didn't go 40 yards, fell over. And I'm, you know, I'm so nervous. I'm just shaking. I had, to, I had to sit down. I couldn't stand up. And I was texting everybody, you know, just shot him, just shot him, just shot him. And then I hear another deer walking across the river. And I go, hmm, what are the odds? So I said, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I said, I better put another arrow in my bow. Put another arrow in the bow. And, you know, it's that 10, the 10 that we hadn't had a daylight picture of in forever. He come out, did the exact same thing the big deer did. And walked 10, 15 yards from me, went right into my opening, uh-huh. just perfect. Shot him in the exact same spot? As exact the same spot. So what did the other deer do that were out there when you shot the, the big buck first? Did they all scatter? Oh, hell, they scattered. They, they scattered everywhere. So, yeah, they, so, so yeah. the food, the, everything was empty in front of you everything. in this tent. Yeah. Okay. And I thought my hunt was over. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, I mean, I, I was perfect, Normally it is. perfectly yeah. content with it being over, you know. And Did you blow right through this first deer? Arrow yeah, on the yeah, ground? Yeah, complete pass okay. through. Yeah, yep. he, he, he jumped straight up and he ran 40 yards, fell over. And I do shoot the Luminox, so I'm sitting there, you yep. know, my green. I'm oh, like, yeah. I, I'm like, okay, I smoked him, you know. Yep. And the other deer come in and put his head down, and I think he either smelt the arrow or blood, because there's blood all over. I mean, as soon as I shot him, there was just blood everywhere. Uh-huh. And he started getting a little nervous, and, and I'm going to be honest with you, I wasn't 100% sure I was going to shoot this deer at first. Because I was so tore up, I was like, I don't even know if I can shoot him. I don't know if I can, because I'm still shaking. I mean, yeah. this was literally two minutes or less after shooting a 186-inch deer. Uh-huh. So I said, I'm going to pull back my bow and just try to settle in and just see. Wait a second. Wait, <laughs> wait, wait. Yeah. Listen, my BS, my BS meter done went yeah. off. Yeah. Okay, so, so yeah. you said you're going to pull back your bow and just settle in and yeah. just see how it feels. We're going to see how we feel. We're going to yeah. you're gonna see how yeah. it feels. No, I ser- in my head I'm playing this. I'm like, I don't know if I can hold it together to shoot this deer that's literally 40 inches smaller than a deer I just shot. Yeah. Because I was still shaking so bad, and I remember pulling my bow back, and as soon as my pin hit where I wanted it. Yep, feels good. I mean, <laughs> oh, yeah. Settled. We're settled in now. We're settled. I brought, I brought my pin right up, you know, the backside of his front leg, and as soon as it settled in, I don't even remember shooting. Instinct took over. <laughs> I don't. Finger just tricked, and it was all I t- over. I told my wife, I was like, I don't remember shooting a second buck. Like, I, I mean, I remember saying, oh, I'm shaking. I don't know if I can hit him. You know, I don't just, I'm going to pull back and see how I feel. When I pull back and that pin hit, I was just seeing red. I just I pulled that trigger, you know, and I was like, and he he went forty yards and fell over. Yeah, so I think we're gonna just, try to dro- ground check him. Yeah, <laughs> we're going to ground check. But it was, I mean, it was a hunt that I'll never ever forget. Um, the odds of me, first off, the odds of me being able to get another commissioner tag is is probably slim to none, and the odds of me ever killing two pope and young deer two minutes apart. Yeah, out of the same, you know, just the way it happened. Well, especially that, on a farm you grew up hunting yeah, too. Yeah. 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 And that, that means a lot to me because of so many firsts. Like I said, you know, my dad, you know, shooting his last buck here, my mom shooting her first buck there, and my niece and my sister and all the firsts I've had on it, and, mm-hmm. and that was a, another first for me. But it gets even better since I started outfitting. I hadn't sat in a tree on that farm 
we were trying to figure it up to the other day. I bet it's been 10 years since I've hunted that farm uh-huh. myself. Now, I've turkey hunted, you know, multiple times. But actually, me sitting in a tree trying to kill a deer on that farm, mm-hmm. it's been 10 years. Yeah. You know, and we, we always put hunters there, but we didn't have any hunters at 1st of October. Mm-hmm. So, I was like, like I said, we go in to hunt them, or go in to kill them, not hunt them. And we have learned from just years of experience, if you try to hold a deer. Yeah, you can't. You can't oh, do it. Can't. You can't do it. It's you impossible. Know? Mm-hmm. And, it, and it, it bit me in the ass four or five years ago. We had a 200-inch deer. And we had a youth hunter coming in for the youth hunt. We could have killed that deer that whole first week leading up to the youth hunt. Didn't have any hunters. And I'm like, okay, I want this kid to kill this deer. The neighbor killed that deer Friday morning before the Saturday morning of youth. Mm-hmm. And we had that deer in daylight so regular. Mm-hmm. And I learned right then, if we ever get a big deer, like, you, you just can't hold them. So yep. once you get them, once they're killable – you got to kill them. Yep. I think you got three days. When they daylight, you okay. got three days. That's exactly what I wanted to talk about next was there's a window. Mm-hmm. There's always that window, and it just happened to me recently last week on a buck in Michigan. He daylighted, and I'm like, I've got three days. Mm-hmm. I, I figured yep. two to four days usually mm-hmm. is what I see, and you need to sit your ass in the tree yep. in your best spot where, you, you know, where he daylighted, and he's going to show up, and he yep. showed up the first night, and I'm like, you know, it, it's that little window, and he might leave for a while. He might leave mm-hmm. and not come back till, mm-hmm. you know, end of October. But I agree. Talk, talk a little bit more about that window. Do you see that, like, with more mature deer every year, year in and year out, like, just that window, you got to yep. make it happen? Yep. Absolutely. There's so many deer, and cell cameras are getting a lot of big deer killed now. Yeah. yeah. Because you put a cell camera out there, and you get that first daylight picture. Mm-hmm. You, you're, asked, you're right. You better be sitting in the stand. The next, no, if the yeah. wind's right, you yep. better be sitting there. Yep. Because I, I believe you get three days. Once they daylight, you have three days to kill them. I think it has a lot to do with their food source. And they may be browsing on honeysuckle that's close by. Yep. Well, if there's multiple deer eating this little patch of honeysuckle, yeah. about three days later, it's gone. So yep. they have to find another food source. Yeah. And it's the same way with these oak trees. Where we saw this morning. How many deer did we see eating the acorns underneath all these oak trees? A lot. Man, lots. Well, you take 20 deer underneath one oak tree that, that dropped all these acorns, Three days, those acorns are gone. They're going to be yeah. gone, no matter how many are so, there. So they're yeah. going to find another oak tree, mm-hmm. and that's that's what I'm saying. When you when that deer daylights that first day, if you have the winds, you better kill him. If you don't have the winds, you better try to figure out how to make the wind work. Yep, because you're you're going to lose him. And I I like what you said about a lot of guys, a lot of hunters, and I'm going to say a vast majority of hunters think they need to be in the tree the first day that deer daylights. I like how you said that because. I don't, you know, with you, I don't agree with that. Like, you wait till he shows his cards, shows his hands, then yeah. you go. He's going to stay there, yeah. like like you say in that window, um, and then he'll transition. But I, I really like that part. Well, I think there's a lot of guys, too, that will see one in the middle of the night and be like, I'm going to go sit in the stand and hunt him, and that deer's not coming out anywhere yeah. near, exactly. near daylight. Now yeah. you're just messing with him because he could be bedding there. He could be, I mean, just so He could be 100 there. yards away, but yeah. just yeah. not making it there. And mm-hmm. when you walk out, you bump him. And now, you, now he's on the neighbors, and he's found a food source over there. Yep. Or, you know, it just there's no use of putting any extra presence in the woods if you don't have to. Exactly. My first thing is when I get a, when I get a deer in, at night, depending on what time it is, but if it's after dark, my first question is, okay, where's he coming from, and why mm-hmm. is he right here? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He's obviously, you know, transitioning from somewhere. Is he just getting out of his bed and going to food? Like, what is it? It's probably not the spot I need to be majority of the time. Yeah. I need to find out where I need to be. Mm-hmm to get him so yeah and it could literally be the difference of moving 100 yards yeah. i've seen it so many times we move yeah. a camera 100 yards and the deer's there four hours earlier than he's ever been yeah and we just moved it 100 yards yeah we had a farm one time uh we first leased this farm it was a big farm and it was a uh, it had like a 10 acre bean field it's a big farm but he only had 10 acres of beans on this one section and i went into uh, a corner of that field and the beans were just grazed down to nothing but I'm looking around, and I'm like, man, there's no trees here that would work for – we were setting up early season velvet uh-huh. hunts. I'm like, I need a southwest wind spot, and there's just not a spot here to put a, a stand for a southwest spot. So I looked up the field, and there was a tree like 300 yards up this field. I'm like, okay, well, they're coming here. I can get them there. So I was like, if we can get them there, we can kill them because the southwest wind's perfect. Mm-hmm. Move the camera up there. We feed for three weeks straight. Not only do we not get any daylight pictures, we don't get any buck pictures. None. There's and there were like going. eight shooters in this one corner of this field. So when we did that, I'm like, crap, I've lost them. You know, I've lost these bucks. Yeah. We moved the camera right back there the first day in daylight. All them bucks are still there. 
Really? They would not go that 300 yards in that bean field. Mm-hmm. It, I don't even think it was 300 yards, honestly. I think it was maybe more like two. But it, it in September, I'm like, they got to be all out in those beans. You know, they're, they're walking that whole field. They weren't. Yeah. They felt safe in that one little low corner of that field, and that's where all those deer were. Hmm. Wonder if that's like a thermal pull in the evening, you know Could what I mean? Be. And the drop into the lower part or lowest part of the field, and they just felt safe there. Mm-hmm. It, it had to have been something <coughs> like that because they would not leave that corner. Would that's... not leave that corner. Hey guys, are you into keeping your whitetail herd healthy and strong? Go check out Buck Bourbon and their full line of mineral and attractants. Personally, my favorite is 110 proof because I've had some great memories and great deer taken over top of it in the state of Kentucky. Born from bourbon, field tested, wildlife approved. Check them out at buckbourbon.com. Hey everybody, I've been partnered and working with Bass Pro and Cabela's now for a long time. They're your one-stop shop for anything outdoors. Personally, I use them for all my camping and backpack needs for all my backcountry trips. Make sure to check them out at BassPro.com or Cabela's.com. Leopold offers the best optics in the game, bar none. I personally have their Santium binos and never go to the field without their Pro Guide spotting scope. I've got a Mark V on all my rifles, and also don't forget they've got some awesome eyewear as well. For more information, visit Leopold.com. That's crazy. That's cool. Now, with those deer, like, so tell us a little bit about them like explain you know we kind of talked about the big one but what the, what was the other one as well i mean explain them a little bit we uh, haven't even walked up on the deer so yeah you're excited excited you didn't even know you shot another deer yeah um, <laughs> we're just gonna see how we feel when i'm we gonna bend see them back. how i feel yeah. when i pull this back and settle in how many hunters have bent the limbs back and like i'm just gonna see how uh, this feels oh no no and we're like it ah, was, no you know it was thinking before you pulled back of just being Correct. like you know what right. i'm gonna pull this back real quick i'm yeah. not gonna shoot i'm just gonna see how it goes Yep. The finger goes to the trigger, and now all of a sudden it's muscle memory. It's just yeah. muscle memory. What? Well, <laughs> what? Well, I didn't even do that. Wait, I didn't shoot another deer. Yeah. <laughs> so, so the second deer, he was a ten that we actually was trying to kill last year. He was nowhere near as big as the first deer, but he was a mature buck. He was actually twenty inches wide, had great mass, but his G twos were like three or four inches. If I mean, just he never yeah. really grew big, you know, G twos. So. He was a deer that I was I was wanting to get out of the, the gene pool, honestly, because mm-hmm. even though he was wide and he, he had good mass, he was never going to score anything. I think he was four or five years old, and he was 140, almost 142. That's what he yep. was. So, it's a good buck. Good buck. Yep. I mean, a, a great buck and a good one to take out. You know, it, yep. Yeah. So when you get down and you're heading over to this big guy, I mean, because yeah. you didn't go to the one well, Yeah, well, no, you didn't got to ask him, which one did you go to first? Yeah. No, no, I definitely went to the big yeah. one first. Did you wait for anybody to come in, buddies, your wife, anything no, like hell that? No, hell no, hell no. no, no. 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 Sprinted down <laughs> out of the stand. So, well, and you got to figure, this deer had so many points. Any of the trail camera pictures, we never could really tell how many. Mm-hmm. We just knew he had some trash. And when I walked up on him, I was so jacked up. And I was. I was texting with my wife, you know, on the phone with my wife. And I was texting all the other guys, you know, help me out here. And I walked up. I put my hands on the deer. And I was like, I got to get to the truck. And I want to, you know, get the truck down here. I didn't actually look at him super close. Because I was wanting to meet my wife and my oldest boy. They were coming to help me. So I was trying to get to the truck so I can meet them in front of the farm. And they, hell, they must have hauled ass. Because they, I mean, I hadn't even <laughs> yeah. made it back to my truck. And they were there. <laughs> they were they were as excited for me as, as I was for myself, you know. And so my wife... I had not told her that I had shot the second buck. Because you forgot. He didn't even know. Remember? It's all coming she, back uh, now. They pull up, and, you know, her and Kirk get out of the car, and they're talking to me. They're like, what do we need to do? And I said, just hop on my truck. You know, we'll drive down there. I said, uh, I said we can drive to both of them. And my wife said, both of them? I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> about that. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, so I, shot, I shot a second one, too. And so, we, you know, we were hugging and just – high five you know my, my boy was high five and it was just it was a night that i remember that's for awesome my life. that's I mean, awesome so like, when you picked him up and you saw all the trash yeah. like, she's, well, she's the one that noticed it because i pulled i pulled my truck up to the big deer first <laughs> <you> yeah <know? laughs> so i pulled the truck up to the big deer and she went up to it and and the first thing that stood out to her was how big this deer's body was and i, I took my my son's like a little over six three he laid down beside the deer and i took a picture of him and i mean this deer dwarfs him like this deer is huge compared to him really and then my wife actually, like, because he, he fell into some dried up beans that we had planted. So that's the reason why I didn't yeah. really see all the trash. I just kind of picked him up real quick and, you know, went on. I didn't have flashlight or nothing. Yep. And 
So when she picked his head up, she's like, God, look at all the stickers he's got. And I was like, holy shit. You know, I had, yeah, yeah. At that point, I thought he was maybe a 12-pointer. You know, I thought he had like nine with a split and then a couple kickers. That was it. But when she picked him up out of the beans and I hit him with a flashlight, I was like, oh, that deer's going to score a lot more than I thought. Yeah, for sure. So, How old do you think that deer is? That deer is easily six and a half because yeah. we've been trying to kill him for three and a half, and he's been big for three and a half. So wow. I would say six and a half plus. So in this this year was his best year score yes, wise, like yeah, more yeah. mature. Okay. Even though he lost the split, you know I don't know the split would not have made up for all the trash he had this year. So, I mean honestly he could have been close with that split and then a little bit of trash last mm-hmm. year, but this year he just visibly looked bigger all around. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. So, He's yeah. impressive, man. Like you said, when you hold him, we held him today. It's like almost hurts your hands. Yeah, to hold him because yeah. of all yeah. the trash. It's it was hard to hold him up to take pictures. You know, you don't think about that when you grab a deer by his bases and you're you're posing him. Yeah, I mean, it was like just I don't know, like a steel brush yeah. or something poking your hand yeah. everywhere because well, there's that so much means trash. a tough deer. You can never get a you can you know like a lot of deer. You got to find the pose to get everything. Yeah, mm-hmm. get the yeah. right pose with him. You could never find it because all no. that stuff's in the back, and then you miss everything in the yep. front. Yep. Yeah. Uh, just a cool deer all the way around. And, it, and like I said, it was a cool night. I'll never forget it the rest of my life. I don't think my family will either. <laughs> so when you went up to the other deer, like, you know, explain that deer a little bit. Well, I mean, so that deer had actually fell in some really tall stuff, uh, weeds and corn that we had planted. We didn't plant the weeds. They just yeah. kind of took over the corn. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> the, the corn we had planted our, for the bedding. It's a new mix we've he, got, yeah. <laughs> weeds and corn. <laughs> so, so he fell in that, and uh, we walked up on him, and, I mean, Right away, the thing that stood out, I knew he was wide when he come in, but I didn't realize how wide he was until you put your hands on him. And I'm like, gosh, you know, that thing's big. Fr- I love those big framey deer. I don't, oh, yeah. get hung, I don't get hung up on score a lot. You, you show me a deer that's 20 inches wide, good mass, good tines, I'm going to shoot that over a, a tight deer that may score 20 inches more every time right. just because they, they yep. look better. I just want to clarify, I'm going to shoot both. Yeah. <laughs> we, almost did we, almost did, we almost did this morning. We almost did this morning. So, but no, I mean, he was another mature buck. Like I said, I'm guessing him to be four and a half, five and a half. You know, mm-hmm. he may have had another good year in him, but I just don't think he would have ever mounted it to much because of his short times. Yeah. And th- that's actually a genetic on that farm, and it's something we are trying to get rid of. Burke's deer, did you notice how short the G2s were on Burke? Yeah. See, Burke, oh, that was the same farm? Same farm. Same farm. He killed that deer three days. I killed, I killed him on October the 2nd. And I think Bert killed his deer there on the fourth. Okay. Yeah, that was a heck of a deer too. Yeah. Mass, mass, just, just crazy. Mass, and I have deer. that deer sheds from last year. I meant to give them to Bert, but I, I actually didn't make it back before he left. Gotcha. So I'm probably going to send him those sheds. That'd be cool for him. Yeah. That'd be real cool. So now, once you take you took these two deer out of there, has something in the last ten days or so moved in? I'm gonna be honest with you. We pulled all the cameras, and we're not gonna hunt anymore. We're just gonna we're gonna keep it fed with you yep. know, just trying to keep the deer on there and just not run anything out and hopefully yeah. Because there, there's there's actually another deer there that's bigger than the deer I shot, but we're gonna try to let him live. Mm-hmm. And then there's two more tens that are probably in the fifties. So I mean that just goes to show like the management that you guys are doing too is like yeah you yeah. know as far as like don't overhunt it yeah kind of thing. And it's just crazy. This this is a 220-acre farm that has probably, I'm going to guess and say 40 to 50 acres in Hemmer on it. And this is the type of deer we're killing off from it. You know, like I said, the one deer's bigger than mine that I shot this year, but we're still waiting on that monster to come back mm-hmm. right. that was there last year. If he shows up, I mean, that's just, just crazy how many big deer there are in that farm. And it's literally two miles from town. There's houses all around it, you know. It's, just it's year after year on the farm, too, because I hunted this farm, was it four years ago? Five, four or Brutus. five? Yeah, yeah Brutus, Brutus was on there. Yeah, and yep. how many shooters? You saw several shooters then, didn't you? Yeah, I mean, there was just a – it was early season velvet, and there were four <laughs> shooters together. Yeah. Brutus was cool just because he was so massive, but that mm-hmm. was when the flyer buck was there, too. Yeah. Yeah, the, yeah. yeah there was the, – that, that farm just – and it's weird how in the outfitting business, you know, we've got 40 – I think we got – 46 or 47 farms we have leased and there are farms that just always produce big deer mm-hmm. and then there's farms that never produce big deer no matter what you do mm-hmm. i wish i knew exactly what that was is it you neighbors know? i think that's what i think it is you know neighbors that are shooting deer they shouldn't shoot right which i mean to each his own i yep. mean I'm, i don't look down on that at all yep. because i you know it, it, it's what hunting. you get out of the hunt yeah hunting, it's hunting. You, yeah it's yep. what you get out of the hunt so i don't don't ever look down on anybody whether they shoot a little deer or a big deer it just 
it's whatever you want. But those farms, you know, we've tried to make them better. Tried. Yeah. So much food, you know, so little pressure. And good farms are going to be good. Bad farms are going to be bad. And sometimes you just can't change it. Yep. Yeah, we see it in Michigan, too. I mean, other than we just can't get a lot of age, but it's neighbors, too. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. It's, well, it's, again, like, here's the thing. I think Kentucky being a one-buck state. Huge. And it's, it's a big deal. Unless you have George or you that have don't, 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 <laughs> don't worry about that, Aaron. Let's focus on the message here. It's a one-buck state. But I think also, like, you guys do just a better job controlling does, too. See, that's getting out of hand now, though. We do. We try to kill a lot of does, but it's getting out of hand. I mean, yeah, you mean meaning you have too many does. We have way too. Listen, many Listen, come on up to Michigan. You want to see some does? I'll, yeah. I'll show you a field with 120 to 150 in it, and yeah. then I'll turn you around the other side of the blind, show you another field with them. Yeah, it's. I mean, we have unlimited doe tags here, and which is which is beauty. And so, how much they don't cost anything, right? No, it's, it's so it's fifteen dollars, and you get two. You get two at a time. Okay, but you can literally buy as many as you want. Okay, I could kill a hundred does a night if I wanted to go buy the tags uh -huh. and. 100% legal, but people, trophy trophy hunting is is the reason why people aren't shooting does anymore. Yeah. They're scared to death. If I shoot that doe, I'm going to spook that big buck that may be coming out. Which you, you semi understand that if a guy's hunting a 20 or a 40 and he knows he's got one good deer on here and he doesn't want to go yeah. out and, and mess it up by shooting a doe or two does. Yeah. Like, I, I have to admit, I, I fall into that. I do too. I fall into it quite a bit because it's one of those things. You go out to hunt or you go out to kill. And like in Michigan, I've got five or six target deer. And when one starts to do it, you go in to kill it. And you're sitting there and like, I'm not going to shoot a doe right now. Yeah. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Through the Blackwater bayous and in the dark Louisiana night, floats a duck camp, alive with the sounds of swamp pop and the smells of Cajun cooking. Mississippi Delta in Venice to the Cajun prairies of the Southwest. Me and the Duck Camp Dinners crew will be hunting and eating it all. This is Duck Camp Dinner. Join me, Chef Jean-Paul Bourgeois, and the whole crew every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. And I, I like shooting my does early, too, if I can, because those are like the resident does. You know what I mean? Because you get yeah. a lot of does that start traveling in the rut yeah. in late season. I like to keep. I like to shoot the does that are, live there. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think yeah. that's something a lot of people look past, too, is like, well, I'm going to shoot it late season mm -hmm. on food when it's easy, and I've got my buck hunting done. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not yeah. saying it's not a good time, but like shoot them early because you're killing your deer that live there, and I think that helps, you know? Yeah, yeah no, it makes sense. <clears throat> it does make sense. But I don't know. So that, I mean. Okay, so on that, have you shot a doe yet this year? I haven't, no, because I told you I've, I've been uh, buck hunting. Oh, listen, I just wanted to make sure. No, I just wanted to make sure. I'll tell you what, though. I did go in to kill a doe um, the third night of season, didn't see one, of course. And then my next sit, which was like two days later, I went in to kill one, saw two, and they were just blowing at me. I just was the whole time. I was a bad hunter. Yeah, that's yeah. when that's when you send yeah. it. Yeah, mm. seventy five yards, just lead them. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> just shoot right in the face. <clears throat> yeah, right? Right, in, right in the face. <laughs> no, happens. don't do that. It yeah. happens. Yeah, it happens. So, how's everything else going, George? We covered covered your your magic night, but how's the season been going here? Oh, phenomenal. I mean, this is. I say it every year, this is our best season yet, mm -hmm. and I keep thinking that it can, can't be topped. This year, it topped last season. Yep. I mean, we're – And we're not even done with it. <laughs> yeah. Done we're, with we're it. We're not even half – well, I guess we're approaching halfway through. Uh, up to this point, we were talking about it last night, I think we're 76% kill with 140 – a little over 140-inch average. Which is insane. And it's not like we've only run 10 hunters and killed you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. seven deer. We've literally killed 30 – I think 38 deer up to this point and the but the cool part is, is if you look at the trail cams and what else is left to hunt it's like you haven't even, you I mean, haven't you haven't even dented yet like yeah. the biggest deer are still out there yeah that's where i get excited for for the archery hunt here the archery rut hunt what comes down there's usually one or two giants there and then yep. 
rifle season, it always seems like there's one or two just out of, out of luck. Yeah. So many guys. I really I, – I like that late muzzleloader season. I do. Well, that's another time that is almost as high success. If not high – we've had several weeks in the late muzzleloader season where we was 100% kill. Yeah. On good bucks. Yeah. You know, and, and it's, it's strictly weather, though. That's the only bad yeah, thing. Yeah, that's true. That's if you true. Get, that's good. If you get temperatures in the 20 in December and you've got a muzzleloader in your hand, we're going to lay some damn deer down. Yeah. But in Kentucky, it could be 20 or it could be 60 in yep. December. And if it's 60, 60 and raining. Yeah, if it's 60 and raining, then it's going to be a tougher hunt. But we still, where we quit hunting them after that first week of rifle, we literally leave them alone for a month yeah. and let them kind of get calm back, back down. Back to normal. Yeah, you know, we throw the feed to them, and it's that post-rut hunt. And you and you get a muzzleloader. I mean, these muzzleloaders nowadays, you can go to Walmart and buy a muzzleloader that you can shoot 200 yards with. It ain't like it used to be. Mm-hmm. So you're literally out there rifle hunting. I mean, it's muzzleloader hunting, but you're rifle hunting yep. in December over a bait pile. A buck's coming into it post rut. He's hitting it as hard as he can. Yep. Eating All it takes is a cold night, and every deer we got's on that bait pile in daylight. Yep. And I mean, we we do we kill some giants, and that's something people don't talk about a lot. Mm. They don't talk about that late in any in any state really, because a lot of states have a late muzzleloader season yep. that that doesn't get talked about. Yep. But I think. Like the rut time's so sexy for when you talk exactly. about when you talk about it, and then rifle seasons, rifle season, and a lot of people are tagged out by the end. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I think too with muzzleloaders, I think like the younger crowd, it's not muzzleloaders aren't sexy to them anymore. You know what I mean? It's kind of like the the old old boy uh, hunting that uh, <laughs> got people looking in the windows. Yeah. I just think it's one of those like older generation things that was like nostalgic, like especially for us in Michigan, it's like. They want a foot of snow. Let's go uh-huh. track a deer. Let's go, you know, find one on food and it being cold and shoot a flintlock kind of thing. Yeah. I'm not shooting a flintlock. No, I can <laughs> tell you that. But I love I love muzzleloader yeah. hunting. I do just because it it opens up different seasons. Mm-hmm. I think that's the, the extend your season. Too, it it you definitely know? does. It, it listen traveling with powder those a pain in the butt. Like if you got to fly with it. But if other than that, like I shoot a Gunworks muzzleloader. I think it shoots. 350 yards with no problem on an animal. I can I can hit a target at 500. I don't think I'd yeah. ever shoot at an animal 500, but yep. I definitely would. Yep. <laughs> uh, but a lot of people, when they go traveling, all they talk about is that rut hunt. Yeah. Rut archery, yep. rut this, rut that. And I'm like, look, I, I travel a lot to hunt, but you'll never catch me traveling, spending money to go on a rut hunt with my bow on whitetail because – it's a good time to see deer. It's a hell of a hard time to actually get a shot at a buck with your bow. They're moving yeah. quick. They're nothing, moving. Nothing's you can't, patternable. I, 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 I've been to Kansas before, and Kansas is as fun a rut hunt as you'll ever have. But when those deer are on those does, it, you can't stop them. They're running. They're just running, 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 running. You know, mm-hmm. you're going to see a lot of deer. Me, I like to hunt September and October or December, wherever mm-hmm. I go. Yep. Because in October, you're getting them. A lot of the, the crops are harvested, so they their bedding area is cut in half. Mm-hmm. You know, when they harvest those crops, that really condenses them down to the thickets. And then they're still hitting food, and they're actually moving a little bit because it's getting cooler. So, I mean, think about all the big deer that I've killed in late September, early October. You know, the horse farm deer, the yep. the Ohio deer, all the deer I've killed in Kansas. All the deer I kill in Kansas, I either kill in September or October. Mm-hmm. Before they get to cruising. Yep. Do you like hard. that? Do you like that last 10 days of October? Leading yeah. up, yeah, yeah. I yeah. love that I'm going time. back next week. Yeah, yeah. So, I, love, I love that time. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, but that's a time when they're they're searching. That's, that, that's the time to kill. Yep. When they're Vulnerable. searching is the time to kill, not when they're chasing. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants to go November the 9th through the 15th to Kansas, and I'm like, two things are going to happen. They're either chasing so hard you're not going to be able to get them to stop, or they've hit lockdown, mm-hmm. and then you're screwed. So it's like that's just – Everybody talks about hunting the peak of the rut, and I think that's the worst time to hunt, unless you got a rifle. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if you, here in Kentucky, you can, hunt, different. you can hunt the peak of the rut with a rifle. But me, I, I would rather go to, you know, Kansas, Ohio, or Kentucky here in that September, October, or even the late, you know, muzzleloader. Uh-huh. Yeah. One thing that can stall a little bit of that movement late October is the weather. If it gets, I mean, yeah. Kansas, it can get hot yeah. in that late October, and then yeah. you're just like chasing your tail sometimes. But you can. Bait, you can feed there so it's like that's something too yeah. if you got the does coming somewhere or on a food source where deer you know bucks the thing is their body's going to tell them they got to get up and they got to move they got yeah. they got to go look for does so yeah, yeah. is that what your body's telling you right now that you got to get up and go and eat mark oh yeah i thought you were yeah. <laughs> <laughs> gonna say something yeah. he's trying okay. to trick you into something yeah, yeah. yeah. you yeah. almost did i mean that's <laughs> i'm a man yeah <laughs> like 
So, no, well, it, how's Buck Bourbon going? Great, great. Um, we're All right, so um, anybody that was listening, they said they heard you say you had to go to Arkansas and to Walmart. So obviously, it's where the headquarters of Buck Bourbon, or where not where Buck. Walmart, I wish yeah, I wish I, I wish it was where the headquarters <laughs> of Buck Bourbon. That means something big happened, but it's where yeah. Walmart's at. So yeah. you were traveling down there for that, obviously. So everything's been going good throughout the throughout the year, and I'm sure you've been getting stories from hunters in the field. Yep, yep. The, I mean, last night we were sitting there, and I had messages coming in on Facebook, people. You know, been been using buck bourbon for three years. We've quit feeding corn. We don't feed anything but straight buck bourbon now. We've killed – one guy said him, him and his family's killed eight bucks since they started feeding buck bourbon. That's awesome. And they've never had that luck with just straight corn or other attractions. Mm-hmm. And Oh, and by the way, we also won a small award at Tractor Supply. Oh, a small award. Small yeah, that's award. We, <laughs> probably should have award. That. we probably should have mentioned that. So what is yeah. that, George? So we won a uh, an award. It's actually the second biggest award they give out. is the Innovative Partner of the Year. And basically, they give us that award because we we don't just settle into okay, we make this one product. Mm-hmm. Like we are literally trying to in, invent new ways of making feed, which we've done. Yep. Our, our one ten mm-hmm. proof. There's no other feed like it on the market because nobody can make it. Mm-hmm. They've tried, you know. And but we we figured it out where we can blend it. We can we can uh, you know put it in the bags, packaging, get it to the shelves. But we didn't just settle there. You know, we come out with all these new types of feed that. You know, my protein feed, you know, we're putting cinnamon and garlic oils in it because it helps reduce the, the insects. Mm-hmm. Nobody else is doing that, you know. And, you know, we, we partnered up with them. We're doing a couple exclusive, you know, for them, the Barrel Proof. Uh, apple Butterscotch Barrel Proof is a tractor supply exclusive. We're coming out with an Apple Butterscotch Liquid this year, an Apple Butterscotch Block. And we're just trying to be as good a partner with our retailers as we can be because mm-hmm. we're all in this together, and we have to be good partners, you know. Yep. Whether it's Walmart, whether it's Track Supply, Sportsman's Warehouse, or, you know, Bucky's, we're in Bucky's, yep. any of the other stores we're in, you know, Orsalins, any of those, it's, you got to work together. Mm-hmm. And, and, but it, it was, it was cool to win that award, you know, because we're competing against the big dogs that have been, not competing, we're actually taking market shares away from the big dogs that's been doing this for 30 years. And this is a really, really tight knit, you know, the, the hunting community is a tight knit community. Mm-hmm. And in order to, to get in and make waves, you got to have something special. Yeah. And that just proves that we have something special. They, they, you know, they didn't let us in. We forced our way in, yep, basically. Exactly. Yep. And, you know, it's just having those good partners. But that, that award was awesome. Um, Walmart's going good. You know, we were pitching some new products. We're trying to complete our lifestyle brand that, you know, if anybody ever listens to any of the podcasts I'm on or the any of the, the videos that we put on Facebook, we, we want to be a lifestyle lifestyle brand where – we bring good products to the hunter, made by hunters, that get you through a complete day of hunting. So mm-hmm. we've got food processing equipment now. We've got knives now. You know, we're coming out with feeders. Eventually, we'll be trail cameras. We're going to start working on backpacks. And all of this stuff is catered to whitetail hunters, just because I'm a whitetail hunter. Yep. I'm, you know, I absolutely get it. There's, there's guys that hunt stuff out west that have to have these $300 backpacks that, you know, that pack frames and like, I understand that, but 80% of my clients are whitetail hunters, mm-hmm. yep. just strictly diehard whitetail hunters. Mm-hmm. So that's who I want to cater to. You'd be foolish to go against that. Yeah. You I know mean, what I mean? And that's what you know the best too. Yeah. So. I'm, I'm not going to come out with something. I'm not going to put my name on something that I don't know anything about. Right. So that's just, so yeah, we were pitching all that to Walmart. Uh, we actually had a surprise meeting with Sam's club. Okay. which we didn't even expect. We kind of got there, and they were like, hey, you know, the Sam's Club buyer wants to meet you. So so Sam's Club, where we bulk, bulk sending knives out there, you get a 10-pack of knives. Or a buck bourbon. Or a buck bourbon. Who knows? I mean, yeah. it, we were literally just starting the conversation with them. So, we, you know, it may go huge there, or it may not go anywhere uh-huh. there. But we had a really good meeting with them. You know, they were tickled to death to learn about our brand. And, you know, they really liked the idea of having one brand that brings everything to the table. Mm-hmm. You know, because there are buy groups out there that have oh, all yeah. these multiple brands underneath mm-hmm. of them. So when you walk down the shelf, you know, you're going to see this company has a trail camera, this company has an attractant, this company has a ground blind, and, mm-hmm. and vice versa. Mm-hmm. All those may be owned by one mother company, but there's several different brands. Mm-hmm. You know, Sam's Club, they love the fact that we are one brand that's doing it all. Well, how about like the mother companies that own like three trail cam brands, like the, that own yeah, Stealth exactly. or like Just something else, yeah. and Muddy. they get you know it's like 
you, you're one owner, but you own three different competitors. Like I don't, I don't get that. They all come from the same same facility in in China. Like it's just different lipstick on them, basically. Same tech behind them, same everything. So I think that's one of the things that just sets us apart is we are literally trying to do it all, Mm -hmm. and uh, we're not trying. We are doing it all, but it's it's we're putting our own spin on these products. A lot of the products that I've used over the years, let's take ground blinds, for instance. I've sat in ground blinds and, and looked around and been like, well, why the hell did they put the window here? Why didn't they put it higher? Why didn't mm-hmm. they put it lower? Why didn't they make this where it can move? And why do they have Velcros? Why do they have zippers That's and all this stuff? The, don't get me started on the Velcros. <laughs> <laughs> the zippers. The zipper. So, you know, we, we teamed up with a guy that is, uh, I mean, phenomenal at building these ground blinds. And, and I told him, I said, this is what I want. I want this, this, and this. He said, I can do it. Well, he sent us samples, and I was like, okay. I said, you're 90% there. Let's move this and this. And then the next sample, I'm like, we've hit a home run. I mean, we've got, I think we've got the most versatile ground blinds out there. And what I mean by that is everything is adjustable. The windows, you know, the bottom window adjusts and the top window adjusts. A lot of ground blinds, they only make the top window adjustable. So if you're a shorter person, you're screwed because the bottom of the window is just so high. If you're you're a, a kid or just a shorter adult, you're going to struggle shooting a bow or a crossbow or something out of that. Vice versa, some of the, you know, okay, let's say just the bottom window adjusts. Well, if you're a taller person, you're going to be sitting there and hunched over looking underneath, the, you know, like that the mm-hmm. whole time. So, Which well, after three hours is not, not good. Not good. Not good. Not good. I like your doors in the oh, ground yeah, blinds. Oh, yeah, the silent. Yeah. Yep, the silent that, doors. That's another thing. I wanted, I wanted to try to have the quietest ground blind on the market. So there are no zippers. There's no Velcro. There's no snaps. You know, just – Everything's on slides, little B slides. Um, our door is spring-loaded. It has a hook on it, you know, not a not a buckle. Yep. It does have a buckle on the inside in case you want to shut it a little bit tighter once you get on the inside. But on the outside, it's literally just a hook on a, you know, a little elastic band that holds that spring-loaded door shut. And the door, when you open it, if you're a bigger guy like me and you've got a backpack and you're trying to get in that door, a lot of ground blinds, you kind of flop around. It gets yeah. hung on your backpack. Yeah, moving and, the you whole know, blind. Hate yeah. that. Noisy yeah. as hell. <laughs> moving so. the whole blind. You are. You are the one. <laughs> you right? are. Because you, no, you, you are. stick, and then you're like, I got Everybody gotta, listening to this has been there. I've gotta <laughs> get, I got to give the big grunt heave through, and now you're pulling stakes. <laughs> yeah. Bad. So, with this door, you know, it, it the door, it literally spins out of the way, and you've got this great big opening that's reinforced that you can just go right through, you mm-hmm. know, and. We got a lot of other stuff we're coming out with, which is cool. I don't really want to talk about a lot of it right now yeah. until we do hit yep. the market with it. But we're working on a lot of stuff. Cool. So That's it, awesome. It's exciting times for sure. And I did. How tall are you, George? Enough. No, I, enough. No, how tall are you? I got a question coming. I know it's going to be something about weight, but I'm five eleven. <laughs> no, I wasn't even about weight. But your son's six three. Yeah. Listen, I, I'm I'm not, know where I'm you're not, going I'm with that. Gonna, I know. I'm where just going to leave it at that. All right. Five eleven. Short, stockier guy, and then I've your got, son is I've got tall. Some tall I, people, I, tall people in my family. You got tall okay? people. I got tall, tall pe- people. Tall people. Tall humans. Tall yeah. humans. Well, what do you say we wrap this one up? Yep. No, that's good. We're gonna grab some lunch here, and then we're gonna get back out in the stand. Hopefully, by the time this thing airs, there's a picture of a big deer on the ground. Uh, I, should I just leave this out so we can record tonight when we're done with the when we kill? I mean, that's a that's a that's a that's a, that's a ballsy move. A ballsy move. You let me know. I th- let's pack it away because okay. I'm a big jinx guy. Let's yeah. not jinx it. Let's pack it away. We'll get it back out. Yeah. Sushi. Sushi, sushi yeah. right? We're eating sushi. No. 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 <laughs> no. Mexican food for lunch. Yep. Let's go. George, appreciate it, man. Yep. Thanks, Thanks George. Guys. Thanks, Aaron. Thank you, everyone out there, for all the support and downloads. Don't forget, go leave a five star rating and a written review on Apple Podcasts. That always helps. Also, if you're looking to book the hunt of a lifetime, go visit WTA at WorldwideTrophyAdventures.com or give the team a call in the office at 1-800-755-8247.